coming in. This is Andrew Brown with the North Florida Tigers prep program, and you are listening to me on MTMV. Support the podcast whenever you can, listen as much as you can, and share as much as you can. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports, and today I'm super, super geeked about Aftermath. Aftermath is going to be so cold today, man. So we have, um, not only do we have the moose in the building, right, but we also have Landon Stevenson's hot shot writer for Ambush Sports, and I'm super geeked to talk to him about all things AAF, right? Week 5 was incredibly crazy. Like, if you had any, like, it probably, to me, was maybe the best week in AAF so far, right? Not only only did you have one game go down to the wire, but I think about three to f- three out of the four games um, kind of were, were crazy, or at least something to see. And so the AAF is definitely picking up. I'm super geeked about something else that happened to me this weekend. Um, but before I get into like why I'm geeked this week, right? Um, I'm gonna talk to a Moose man and, and ask Moose man, Moose, how was your week, bro? It was good, man. It was busy this week. Uh, we were doing a lot of burning this week, so I wasn't able to. Uh... Uh, get out as much content and talking AAF and prepping for the weekend, but uh, super excited to be back on uh, talking with you and super excited to have Landon on with us this time. Yeah, man. For those who don't know, um, Moose is a real hot shot, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're not we don't we're not called hot shots. Uh, we're wildland firefighters, but it's it's the same thing, kind of. Um, you know, we do the outside fires and, and go around the country fighting fires sometimes. So. Yes, sir. Yo, so Landon, how was your week, bro? Yeah, man, that was good. Um, you know, very excited about the uh, AAS and uh, excited to be on the uh, podcast today. Awesome. Um, let's let's hop into it, y'all. What was, what was, in your opinion, right? And I ask you both, in your opinion, what was the best game of the weekend? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. For me, I thought the best game, and, and it's hard to, it's really kind of hard to say which one was best because you kind of already alluded to it three of them were nail biters um if you're an apollos fan you would obviously say that oh that's the best game of the week uh but for me and the one i'll go with was the the salt lake stallions versus the the san diego fleet um it was the first of like the nail biters (laughs) and it really put on and really displayed what the aaf has been trying to uh push and what they've been promising to football fans is that you're not going to see a lot of these games that are going to get out of hand and you're not going to see a ton of, of of just one-sided lopsided affairs and i think this really encapsulated that uh, it was a it was really a, a weird game to start off with you kind of had back and forth scoring and then all of a sudden in the third third and beginning of fourth quarter uh the fleet really took off and and Made a pretty large gap. I believe it was 24-11, uh, about, what was it, nine minutes roughly in the fourth quarter. And then uh, the, the Salt Lake Stallions made a big comeback. They got a, a rushing touchdown. They picked up uh, in the last 50, or right at 51 seconds, through a second touchdown to be down by only one point. And, of course, if you're following AAF, and even if you're not, there is no extra points. 
is two-point conversion or bust. So we we're going to see either uh, a two-point conversion happen, and they take the lead by one, or they were going to miss it and then have to try the fourth, fourth, uh, or rather the onside conversion, that fourth and 12 from the 28. So you knew you were going to have some excitement at the end of that game regardless. They did convert the, uh, the two-point conversion to go up one point, 25-24. And then in true, just absolute knucklehead fashion, they let the first play from, from scrimmage go for 45 yards or something and put them right in the field goal position, the fleet that is, and the fleet that uh, were able to run the clock down and kick a 44-yard field goal to win the football game 27-25. If you were a fan of either of these teams, you enjoyed the game. If you were a fan of the AAF, you were were a fan of the game. I know a couple people I've seen through Twitter that said they've had some friends that were not necessarily on board with the AAF. They watched this game, and now they're hooked. Do you think that type of parity will bring more people to the AAF? I do, yes. I believe that it will. I think that you're going to see, again, you're just going to see the, the level of competitions there, the level of excitements there. Everybody likes those close games, even if you're not necessarily a fan. You might not like it if your team's the one on the losing end, but nonetheless, it's a game you're going to talk about probably for the rest of the year if you're a Stallions fan, uh, unless they just completely ball out the rest of the season and, and create. But this is one that, we're still going to be talking about come next year when these two teams play again for the first time. You might still have that remember last year when kind of a game, and that definitely brings people in because you're talking about last year, much like you do for the NFL or NBA. And there's those memorable games. I think this is really one of them in a league that's only five weeks old. So you're thinking possible fleet stallions rivalry? I don't know. I mean, we're still waiting to kind of see where rivalries will establish and with who. But, uh, I mean, this definitely, if they continue to play this level of football and you have this level of competition um, against each other, I can definitely see these close-type games really sparking what will become these, these long-term rivalries uh, in, this, in this sport and in this league. Awesome. Landon, talk to me about um, your best game of the week. What, what did you feel like was the game of the week for you? Well, I don't mean to uh, sound like a broken record here, but uh, I've got to agree with Josh. It's got to be the Fleet and the Stallions. And the reason that I would say that is is that whether you're a fan of the AF or not, as long as you're a fan of football, this game had everything that you could possibly want in a football game. You had offense, you had defense, you had an exciting ending. You saw the two-point convert, the required two-point conversion come into play um, that could have made the difference in the game. And you saw an exciting exciting final play that determined the game. Um, and so everybody want, you know, that's clamoring for support for this league and fans of football that want football year-round this is the kind of games that the AF needs to drum up more support. And not only was, did I think it was the game of the week from the standpoint of just how the football game went, the crowd in San Diego was absolutely electric. And the more that we can get support for these fan bases, the more that the league will grow and get support from the NFL and things like that. 
Yeah, I'm starting to see a little bit more support um, from the NFL. If you're you know watching Golden Tate on Twitter, um, he's now he went to a, a game and um, you know took a picture there, and he wanted to let people know that you know, not only was he supporting it because he used to play with some of the players that are on the field, but he's really excited about the fact that the NFL is really behind the AAF. How do you guys feel about the NFL support of the AAF? I think it's key. I think it's massive. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Golden Tate was actually at this game. <laughs> but I think it really is a big deal because those guys are the ones that have the, the real platforms right now. Um, a lot of people, I'm still five weeks into this with the coverage that they've got on on some of these major networks and the coverage that they have on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, and I'm seeing all these different groups. I'm still coming across people weekly that are, sent, are just now discovering that the, the, the AAF is a thing. Um, so I think these these football players, the, the ones that are household names, your Golden Tates, and and uh, I've seen a couple other p- players tweeting about it and talking about it, you know, how great football this is, you know, football is football. Those guys are going to continue to spread the word. And as people that follow them see that, and it's their audience, and, you know, they enjoy that player. If that player is enjoying this league, they might go and check it out, and you might get – if you turn into this game, to tune into this game, I mean, you don't have a pulse. If, <laughs> if you weren't excited by the end of this game, if you're, I agree with what Lena said, not even a fan of AF, if you're a fan of football, this is the, frick, the freaking game that you want to watch. I mean, this was it. This is what I would introduce people into this league. I'd probably tune them into this game. Yo, it's funny because we talked about a game earlier that made you feel that same way. Just like two weeks ago, there was a game like that that made you feel like that. And now this game is now the new standard <laughs> for the AAF. Yeah, absolutely. I believe it was the San Antonio-Orlando game that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game was crazy. Um, that, again, another one went down to the wire and, and, again, had everything. You had your offense, you had your defense. matter of fact, that game was actually sealed on a defensive play on, on Keith Reeser's pick six, but but uh, I agree. I mean, these are the kind of games, if, if you can get one of these games just every couple of weeks, it doesn't have to be every single week that you have this. I mean, this week we were spoiled because you had three of them. <laughs> but, yeah, if you can continue to have these games, you just start to log away these conversation pieces for for the off season, and you're getting excited. And, again, you start to see these rivalries will start to develop when you have these kind of games that are really close. You know, just because the emotion gets high in it, both with the fans and with the players, and you'll see the players, which we actually saw on this game, starting to get chippy, which we really haven't seen yet because everybody's just kind of happy to be there. And then you had when Woodrum got hit and he went out, all of a sudden, you know, the Stallions kind of were, were, were taking taking a, a action of their own and it started getting chippy and the refs had to start coming in and breaking stuff up, uh, which, which happened quite a bit in this game. But it's just emotions running high. Landon nailed it with the crowd being. Um, you could actually hear the crowd uh, as you were watching, which was which was awesome to to, to hear and, and know that man, this these guys are, are are here to watch some football, and we're watching football. Good, good football. Man, you got Moose knows that this was my first week with credentials ever. So look, if if you're listening, right, Moose has had credentials like from day one. Like Moose is, Moose and all of a- Ambush Sports, they're already in. Does that make sense? Like they're already there. Um, but MTMV, <laughs> we just got our first credentials this week, and it was my first time being on the field and in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. And it was super, I was super geeked about it. But what I can really say 
is in the, coming into the locker room. We went to the Legends versus um, the Express game, right? And watching um, the players come into the locker room, man, they were geeked. They they won the game. You know the last second field goal game, right? Um, but coming into the locker room, they were very chippy, very um, like very. We should have never. It should never been this close, right? It, we it should never been this close. It should have been this. It should have been that. And they feel like even though they're like a you know only a two win team at this point, they still feel like you know they have the talent to make a complete comeback. So I would say you're right, man. I think they're getting past the point of. Hey, this is just like we're here. We're happy to play. We're happy to play on TV. I think it's past that now. And I think we're to the point where, um, you know, this matters. And it matters to them, but it also matters to the fans. Um, are y'all feeling that too? Most definitely. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had credentials. I'm local to Alabama, even though I covered the hot shots. I've also been um, uh, working as press at the Birmingham Iron Games. And um, you really hit it head on with the locker room atmosphere. Um, And everybody wants to compare this to the NFL. And and I don't mean to downgrade the AAF when I say this, but the locker room atmosphere is much more like a college atmosphere. And what I mean by that is, is just every snap, every play, every game, it means something to these players. And it's because they're fighting for their livelihood. Whereas in the NFL, things are a little bit more laid back until you get to playoff time. So I think that's a wonderful thing for the league. Yeah, that was super, super geeked up, man. Um, since we're talking about players, I want to hop into this next thing. Who would you guys say are the like highlighted players? Or who are the best players of the weekend? Who had um, the best play this weekend? Uh, uh, my personal uh Defensive player of the week. I know we, we would usually start with offense, but I'm going to start with defense. I will go with Cameron Kelly for the San Diego Fleet. He had three interceptions and a pick six for a touchdown uh, in their game uh, with their win over the uh, Salt Lake Stallions. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's, uh, that was a big one there with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with Kelly. Um, just one heck of a performance. Uh, from him, and I'll I'll, I'll echo that uh, sentiment there on defense. I, I can't really even think. I mean, just with what he did, I, I know there's other guys that had high number of tackles, but yeah, <laughs> Kelly really uh, sealed the deal. Yeah, that's a, that's a historic day. Like, I mean, that's nothing you could <laughs> nothing you could really say about that. Um, some so let's just go with honorable mention guys after that point. So I would say honorable mention guy for me, um, Aaron Murray. Um, I'll say this. Not a phenomenal day <laughs> in the beginning of that game. Um, but we talked about this before. We talked about, we. I don't know if you remember this, Moose. We said and we kept saying, hey, look, this Atlanta team is a quarterback away, right, from being any type of team. And so... And now that they have this guy, like he played well enough to get them to win in that case. So he's he's my honorable mention. Do you have an honorable mention, Moose? Yeah, I'll go with uh, Davion Smith for the Orlando Apollos. Um, didn't do anything overly spectacular uh, as far as I mean. There's other guys that you can talk about that had you know 130 yards receiving or a couple of touchdowns. But uh, Davion Smith was able to secure the first 100-yard rusher for the Apollos, uh, which is not an overly easy feat. 
um, because outside of, I believe, week one, the, the rushing yards really haven't been there. Uh, and really only because of week one, the, the 40 to six, uh, you know, uh, Keem Hunt ended up getting an additional amount of, of, of rushes at the end of the game just trying to ice it. But Davion Smith on 14 carries went for 119 yards um, against a very, very stout, very quick, and very physical Birmingham Iron defense. Um, I know that they were kind of loosened up a little bit with, with Garrett Gilbert in the passing game, uh, but nonetheless, it's still, in my opinion, one of the top defenses in the league. And to see Davion Smith finally uh, crack that 100-yard mark for the Apollos, uh, he'll be my honorable mention. Awesome, awesome. Um, since we're talking about players, we're moving to um, the situation that's going on with the Iron, um, Keith Price. So I want to know, Landon, you said you had a chance to like see some of their games. We know Perez has been the guy there. Um, Keith Price came in the game towards the, the latter half of it, had a pretty decent game. They were ill-prepared you know, for what he was bringing to the table. He wasn't able to win the game. However, he was able to gain the respect of a lot of people who watched the AAF. What do you feel about Price, and do you think it's his job going forward? Uh, I do believe that it will be uh, Price's job going forward. Uh, the one thing that I really noticed in that game is that he just brought instant credibility to their offense. And what I mean by that is, is the Iron offense the entire season, for as good as their defense has been, their offense has just lacked any identity. And I felt like Keith Price finally gave them an identity because he provides that dual threat. You know, he's the he can throw, he can stay in the pocket, he can get outside. He can scramble, and he also seemed to be in better communication with the wide receivers. And the thing with the iron wide receivers are is that they tend to be a little undersized, which would actually fit more of a spread offense uh, type of offense, and that's Keith Price's strength, and that's obviously not the strength of Lewis Perez. Um, but the, the main thing that with Keith Price, Keith Price also, uh, it really is the fact that he is just comfortable. Perez constantly looks uncomfortable uh, reading anything over the field. I'm not sure if that's an issue between distinguishing man-to-man or the different types of zone, cover three, cover two, etc. Um, but Keith Price just looks a lot more comfortable than Perez. And um, he was actually available to the uh, media after the game uh, Saturday and I actually uh, had the opportunity to talk to him, and I asked him, you know, what, what does this opportunity mean to you? And the thing that I, that really impressed me with with him is, first of all, he's just thankful to be in the AAF, but also, secondly, you can tell that's that's a man that's intent on not letting go of that job. Mm. He is very mm. determined to keep that job and when you look a man in the eye and you can see that he says that's my job now i mean that's that says everything i need to know about that situation bro you making me remember um you say look a man in the eye you making me remember so i, I told moose about this mike singletary was the first person i asked the question to and when he looked me in my eye man i almost shivered bro like, now, i'm tell i'm telling you Looking like Singletary in the eye, that's a brave adventure in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, Moose, we talked about 
we talked about Perez and we talked about his receivers letting him down. Do you think that maybe it was his receivers letting him down or was it really just, you know, him being uncomfortable in that situation and not being able to be, you know, the guy there? You know, that's actually a good question. I know that we talked early about, you know, the, the, the strengths and how poised uh, Perez looked kind of early on in the season. Uh, I don't know necessarily where the issue seems to lie. Um, I, I agree 100% with Landon, especially in this game. Um, Perez not only did not look comfortable, throwing, he didn't look comfortable just dropping back. He, he, he just seemed skittish. And I, I know that uh, you've got a couple weeks of game film on the on the, the, these these different teams. You've been able to watch the, the Orlando Apollos, and they go by – the uh, the the moniker of of FLA or f- was it freaks and large athletes or something, <laughs> and uh, they're fast, they're strong, and they're big. And I don't know if that played into it to start off. And then of course they've got a solid secondary uh, with a couple of ball hawks, including Reeser, who's now um, you know sitting at home with another pick six. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, early on there was some really good balls delivered early in the season by Perez, and they were just flat drops. It's getting to the point now, though, where I do think that, that it's Perez either holding the ball too long, trying to dissect the defense on the fly, or, uh, or, or, or just he doesn't have enough time. Of course, the offensive line uh, for, for Birmingham is, is in all kinds of shambles right now with, with just multiple injuries or just kind of rolling through different offensive linemen here. Um, but I do think I, – I, I just want to echo what Landon was saying. I do think Keith Price is the guy. Uh, when As soon as he walked out there, there was an attitude shift. I know that you know the, the scoreboard didn't really show it. But, I mean, just the first couple of plays, the Apollos, for one – and some people, I do understand, you don't have game film on them. You know, it's that switch, you know, middle of the game or early in a game, and you've got this other quarterback. We've heard all that before, but I really do think just the attitude, the way he carried himself, um, the, the lack thereof of this this nervousness, this fear, and just being in the moment and having that next man up mentality. That I mean, that's what you need. That's what this whole entire league is about. Um, I'm really actually excited to see with a week of practice. I would because I would assume they're going to roll with him as a starter. <laughs> but a week of practice with him running with the ones, and if they can alter the offense from a power run scheme to more of a spread style, as Landon has said again, just echoing what he was saying, I am really excited to see where this Birmingham Iron team can go because they have a top level defense. If they can have even a slightly better than mediocre offense, this team this team is deadly. Um, and right now they've got a phenomenal offense and a relatively poor, or, or sorry, a great defense and a relatively poor offense. And that's why you're seeing these kind of low scores. Or if they do score a couple extra points, there's usually a defensive touchdown or usually a special teams touchdown in there that kind of inflates that score and makes you think that the offense did more than it did when, in fact, it didn't. I mean, going back to the Salt Lake game, uh, one of the only touchdowns that they had was was the, the special teams uh, fumbled punt. So I, I'm excited to see what Keith Price can do with this offense and how this Birmingham Iron team, uh, team looks with a, a, a solid offense 
and this great defense. Is it fair? Is it really fair? And I I asked um, Landon this. Landon, do you think it's really fair if Perez loses his job in this situation? I I do, uh, but I would also reiterate that this is professional football. Um, it really doesn't matter if it's fair. Um, <laughs> if, if get the, the, you know, the league's going to move on whether uh, you know anyone thinks it's fair or not. But I will. I want to mention ten more things that I really think explains the situation in whole. And one thing that we must remember is is that you know Lewis Perez went to college at like Texas A&M Commerce, which is like a, a Division two college. And the thing is, is that he hasn't seen speed like this. And I understand that he went through training camps and everything with the Rams and things like that. But on a consistent week to week to week basis, he, this is the first time that he's being exposed to professional level speed. And I really do believe that it's impacting him. And then also, you know, the thing that I would say is, is we're five weeks into the season, and the Birmingham Iron just threw their first touchdown pass of the season this week, and it wasn't Lewis Perez. It was Keith Cross. That's a big well, deal. Technically, it was Lewis Perez. <laughs> we'll go to the big those don't count, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first passing touchdown for the iron. You gotta get Coming Hey, in. this is Alani Martin, track state champion, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Yo, <laughs> yo. So it, I want to I want to shift a little bit and talk a, about the Arizona Hot Shots, man. Um, and that's why we have Landon on. He is the um, Hot Shots writer for Ambush. Um, I need to know. I'm a Hot Shots fan. I immediately um, became a fan. I saw their uniforms. I thought they were super dope. But then I got really into Rocket Ross and his dancing and and you know the way he kind of goes about playing the game. Love that. Love Wolford. And, and I just kind of felt that this Arizona team was the number two team in the league. I thought that for a really long time. And my bad, not a super long time since we're on the five weeks in, right? But <laughs> I thought it. I thought they were great, and I love that team. However, over the past few weeks, I've just watched my hot shots just like fall. They lost to the Stallions, twenty three fifteen. Then they fall to the Legends, and I'm like, what is this? And then last week they lose to. I mean, this week they lose to the Commanders. Yo. What's up? Like, what is going on? Why are the hot shots on such a losing streak? Well, the thing that started for the hot shots was it was week one. Even though they were winning, they were starting, much like the Birmingham Iron, they were suffering injuries on the offensive line. So they, they haven't had any kind of consistent offensive line play. But also, there's so many things that I see with the hot shots that are just really, really bad signs for them and uh, would really explain why they've been on the losing streak. And one thing that I really noticed with them is that unlike the seven other offenses in the AAF, the hot shots more than anyone really rely on tempo and being high speed, that NASCAR type offense. And 
if they have one negative play, it just seems to kill all momentum. So if they run the ball and it only gains a yard and they're in second nine or, you know, Wolford throws an incomplete pass, which he's been doing a ton of because he's, his completion percentages in the high fifties, you know, it's things like that. And it just, it sets them back. And then second of all, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, this team is built for shootouts and the AAF so far, even though scoring was up a little bit this week, the one thing that's really been going on is, is these games aren't shootouts. They're defensive slugfest, and the hot shots just aren't built for that. They are built, they're a finesse team. They're not a power team. And it's really worked to their detriment. And the, you know, they're really the one team in the AAF that's built more like a, a modern day college team. The other teams in the AAF, you have, you know, the Pollers have a big time offense and everything. But all the other teams are really built more in that traditional pro mold. Pro, pro mold. Um, but the hot shots themselves really are built more like a college team. And I really believe that's leading them to be exposed. And then also right now, uh, their best linebacker, Stephen Johnson, he's uh, dealing with an injury and he was inactive last night uh, with their game with the commanders. And their defense hasn't been great, uh, but it has been pretty good, especially their secondary. Um, but now, because of these injuries that are taking hold, uh, it's really beginning to affect them. And it's now the offensive problems are leaking to the defense, uh, a lot like we've seen with the Birmingham Iron Sunday. Um, so the high shots have a lot of problems right now. Um, they can obviously right the ship. They have the talent there. And it's, it's like I was joking with one of our um, riders that got some ambush with us. You know, the hot shots in the span of five weeks, we've seen Rick Neuhausel at Colorado the first two weeks, and we've seen Rick Neuhausel at UCLA the last three. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and that's just that's what you're going to get is the most consistent teams are the teams that are going to be the ones that wind up winning and make the playoffs. And really the hot shots right now are at a crossroads if they want to get things to turn around. Man, they have a lot of talent on a team. Um, even the quarter, the quarterback is a very talented individual as well, man. Warford is really good. Uh, how can they can they turn this around? Like, do you believe they can turn this around? I, I think they can. I think that they really have a lot of identity issues going on right now. Obviously, when you've got injuries in the offensive line, that really affects you greatly. Um, but they also have a stable running backs with uh, Jarrell Presley, Justin Stockton and Tim Cook. And, you know, some people have the adage with quarterbacks that if you have two, you have none. Well, the running backs, you usually want multiple running backs, and they have three talented running backs, but they don't really have that guy that can just be the workhorse guy to take some pressure off of Wolford. And Wolford, they're putting him in situations where they're trying to take deep shots to find Rocket Ross and everything. Um, but maybe they should work the perimeter a little bit more to give him some easy completions because he seems like the kind of quarterback that if he gets out of rhythm, it's going to get ugly. And he's getting out of rhythm and throwing interceptions. Now, he threw three interceptions last night. Um, and the hot shot still almost come back and won. And what would have been the greatest comeback in AF history? Are you hearing anything, any updates on the injuries to the offensive linemen? Are they close to coming back or... or- um, are they significantly hurt and they won't be back soon? I 
haven't heard anything. The, the injury information with AAF is just it's so hush-hush. We won't get an update until later in the week. Um, but obviously right now we have to work under the assumption that you know, they're just not going to be there until we learn otherwise. And obviously that's going to create chemistry problems. But the hot shots can do some play calling to where, you know, get the passes out to the perimeter, or, you know, run to the outside, roll Wolford out, things to take pressure off that offensive line. Um, but it's just right now it's just not there. And hopefully they can find an identity. And I do believe they will turn things around. It's just a trial and error thing. And which Rick Newhousel shows up week to week. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you so much, Lennon. Hey, thank you for joining us. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Awesome. We're back. Um, I want to, Moe, where you at, bro? I'm here, man. I got to ask you about these Atlanta legends, man. Um, we talked about them. We keep getting this thing wrong. and <laughs> But I think this week you got it right, but we didn't do the show, so we couldn't record the fact that you got it right, right? I know. So my question I is, I know that they're now on a on a bit of a winning streak. Um, they're looking good, man. You know, with two straight wins in a row, um, they're looking like they're not looking like a team to beat, right? They they still struggle a lot, um, and we have to give some credence to the, the who they're playing in this in this situation. But um, and I can't say that I don't want to say that you know too fast. I know they just played the hot shots, so I don't want to say anything against the hot shots. But what I'm saying is, what is going on? With this team, what's happening with the legends? Why are they on such a, a, a big? No, I don't want to say big, but why are they on such a win streak right now? Um, I, I think I mean it's it's what we've been talking about since what we did our first episode week two. Yeah, uh, is 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 they finally put in the guy that's going to give them the best chance to win? Um, I know I, I told you our, our running joke that actually uh, our our resident jokes that landed over here every week. We'll put up uh, Matt Sims for Defensive Player of the Week. Um, and I love that. And it, <laughs> I do, too. Um, it, he actually was nominated for Offensive Player of the Week uh, two weeks ago when, when he left the game so that Aaron Murray could come in and win. Uh, so, now you know, he's coaching the week. To, so Sims for Offensive Player of the Week nomination. But uh, that's really what I think it is. I think Aaron Murray presents the best opportunity for that team to win. Uh, I don't think anybody was ever scared of Matt Sims on the football. And as, we, as we've seen, at least this week, uh, we were able to see that the, the, the run game was actually relatively effective. But uh, the downside is that Aaron Murray threw the ball almost 50 times. Now, you can say that that comes to uh, – or the, the, the that should – you should understand that a little bit because I think we, we misunderstand again because of record that Memphis has a good defense. And we have talked multiple times that I think one of the best defenses in the league right up there with the Birmingham Iron have been the Atlanta Legends. But you don't notice that because they're too busy losing and sometimes in embarrassing fashion. Uh, and then you realize that, again, you go back and look at box scores and you realize 14 or 16 points came from pick sixes or fumbles. Uh, there was a short field that the, the team had to go. And, I mean, you can't hold that against the defense. But the defense uh, has been doing really well. And the defense showed up at the end of this game when it intercepted Zach Mettenberger. 
uh, as the Express were going into either worst case scenario, Mettenberger throws the ball away and they're taking for uh, they're taking a field goal to go up 23, uh, 23 to, to 20, I believe. Uh, they would have been they would have been 23-14. And instead, Mettenberger throws the interception. They go down the field and score. They get the ball, you know, and, and they end up winning this football game. But really, I think the difference is, and I mean, it, it's it's clear what the difference is. They have a quarterback that I think is halfway decent. And this is what everybody was surprised about at the beginning of the year when Aaron Murray did not get the nod to be the starter. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then we watched week one, and it really wasn't there. We watched week two, it really wasn't there. And, and, and so on and so forth. And we see Murray come in after, what, a series or something last week, wins the football game uh, against the Hot Shots in Arizona. And then he gets the opportunity – and everybody that I know that I've been talking to, and, and, and I know a lot of people were saying that the, the better quarterback in this game was that Mettenberger. And unfortunately, we did not do the podcast, but you could have if you jumped onto our, our power rankings article. I put uh, I put Atlanta. I thought Atlanta was the better overall team. I do think that Aaron Murray is uh, one of the better quarterbacks in this league, uh, especially since he's been relatively removed from football for, what, two years now. Uh, so we're we're seeing him. I think he'll just continue to get better as the season goes on. And I mean, this is the perfect time for them to start clicking. I mean, Birmingham have not, has now dropped two. Uh, they were supposed to be the the surefire number two in the East. And here's the Atlanta Legends just beat uh, the, the the Hot Shots and then just beat another East uh, Division or Conference, whatever they're calling it, uh, to to move up. And and it'll be interesting to see if they can continue this. But they're starting to they're starting to register, starting to fire, and they're not losing coaches left and right anymore. Yeah, um, I'll say this, man. That was a big interception from Mettenberger, like a huge interception. And I know, you know, just a few weeks ago, it was you know all hell Mettenberger, right? Like everybody was all for Mettenberger, and it was his. And he has taken over the show since, and the offense does seem a lot more steady since he's been there. Um, and they have a pretty decent run game. I don't know really what's up with the Express. Um, they seem to to be right on the brink of being a better team. Anybody can take this. Like, what's up with the Express? I, I'll say this. I, um, and I, Mettenberger came up right after. Um, Mettenberger came up right after Singletary, and he got hit like right at the end. He gets up limping. And it doesn't look like he was, I thought he would have to take at least a player or two off. But he went, he goes right back in the game. I don't know how much that played into it, but when I asked him, he said it didn't play into it at all. It didn't play into the, the last bit at all, right? Um, or it didn't play into him throwing that interception at all. I want to know, you guys are seeing the Express. You, you're seeing kind of where they are. Are they, can they turn it around? Um, on, on offense, I'm not so sure, and, and I'll explain why. Uh, a lot like Josh said, uh, on defense, they are, uh, you know, they express much like the legends. You know, the, the record can be very deceiving. They're very good defensively, and, you know, of course, that's a credit to Mike Singletary and his defensive background. But their issue on offense, um, you know, Mattenberger has provided a shot in the arm compared to Christian Hackenberg. But the issue is is that they still lack identity. 
but Mike Singletary, he would prefer to have a power run attack, and that's the reason why everybody was so excited about Zach Stacy coming into the season. And I mean, I personally had him on like an MVP watch list because I really thought that Singletary and Stacy would be just a great combo with wanting a power run game. Um, but the thing is, is that they don't have that. They don't have the power run game. Mattenberger is the kind of quarterback that, you know, he he doesn't really fit that mold. And, you know, Hackenberg just, he has a bad attitude and can't get his act together. So I personally don't believe they can turn it around. I hate to be that negative, but, you know, reality is reality. Ooh, that's tough, man. Like, I don't know. Looking at them, I, I feel like. I know that they have the weapons in the backfield. I think um, I think that Zach Stacy provides a really good running back for them. He's been pretty good this season so far, um, and they also have another running back as well. I think it's Manzo. I forgot um, his hyphenated last name, but um, he played a pretty decent role for them as well. He's he's really good. I think both of them um, provide at least a you know a decent backfield. Mettenberger is pretty you know pretty steady, but. Overall, I really, I really don't know how they turn it around either. Especially if you have a pretty decent um, defense already. I just, I think you're right when you say they lack um, an identity. I don't, I don't, I don't see one for them. Um, and I can tell that Singletary is very frustrated by not being able to figure this thing out. Here's my question: This is his second stint, like as you know, as a coach, as a head coach. Is he in trouble a little bit? Well, I mean, we all know that, you know, there's, there, there's some coaches that just aren't made to be head coaches. And maybe that's a question that Mike Singletary has to ask himself. Obviously, there's nothing we can do about it right now. Um, but, there, you know, maybe it's a situation where he can't get through to the team uh, from being the head coach role. Um, he's, he's obviously a, a very intimidating man, but. You know, we're talking about being a leader of men, not being scared of men. And so it's, I think that he is in trouble, and I, I'm not so sure that he'll be back next year. Moose, what you think? Yeah, I think I'd echo that same thing. Um, I was just actually, while, while you guys were talking, I was peeking through the remaining schedule for the Express. And I, I think, uh, and I don't, Again, I'm right there with Landon. I don't want to be the guy that sits down and says it can't happen, but there's a very good chance, a very realistic, I don't want to say a very good chance, but a very realistic chance that the Express don't win another game. Um, they go to Salt Lake, then they come back home to play the Iron, and then they go, they stay at home to play the Apollos, and then they travel to play the Commanders, and then they finish off the season at home against the Legends, uh, at whom they just lost to. So there's a realistic chance that they might not grab another win. Um, and I do think that that's going to come down now. I guess the hard part with me is is how much trouble Singletary in. I don't know, because he still is a name, and he's a draw, and he's going to, you know, he's going to bring people, he's going to bring recognition to the league. Um, so might they keep him a little longer than he should? Probably, but I also I do agree with what Landon said. I mean, I would like to see him make that decision on his own 
and perhaps just stay on as the defensive coordinator. You're still there with the name recognition. People still know you. You'll still be front and center on the cameras. And let somebody else take over the leadership role of everybody. And I would I would venture to say that he probably does not connect with the offense. <laughs> that seems to be the big problem. The defense is phenomenal. The offense, eh. Even last week when, when they did win with Mettenberger, they won in spite of his coaching. Not necessarily because of. He definitely didn't do any favors at the end of that game to help win that football game. Um and I, I, I don't know again if, if he'll be gone because of the you know the, the league getting rid of him as much as if he would just, if he were to step down. Uh, but I do think that he is in trouble, and I think that this team again does have the opportunity or the, the potential to to finish the season off with, without a win uh, or without a win up you know from this point on. Uh, they do have a pretty tough schedule. They're going on the road against a couple of. You know, not good record teams, but I still, you know, I, we talked about it a couple days ago. I think the Stallions are one of the best one-loss teams uh, in, in the league right now, and now they have to travel to them, to the Stallions to play. I just don't know. I, I do think that there's definitely a disconnect somewhere with Singletary, and it might just be that he's just not cut out to be the head coach. I, I, I think you're right in a sense of, I don't see him losing his job ever. I think it'll take him basically. Well, I say this when I say ever, I mean, you know, at least the first two to three years of this league, as long as it's around, I don't see, um, I don't see Singletary being fired or removed from his position. I think he'll be given as much leeway as anybody um, because of the name recognition. He is like one of the faces of the league that makes this league um, it gives it some credibility, even though, I mean, just his name along and his reputation gives him some credibility, um, not from a coach's standpoint, but just, you know, as a respected individual. So I think you're right, Moose. I don't I don't see him just kind of like, um, you know, being kicked out or being fired. Now, is he in trouble as far as his coaching legacy? That's when I'm kind of with Landon, and I, I feel like he is. I think we're all saying that same thing. I think he is in trouble as far as his coaching legacy, and I don't think – he'll ever be known as, like, a great leader of men um, outside of being a player. Because when he was a player, he was a great leader of men, right? Um, and maybe maybe being a defense coordinator is, is kind of like his peak, and maybe he should, you know, be okay with that. I'm not sure, though. Um, I, I want to give him a little bit more time to turn this thing around. He just had a quarterback change, um, you know, and maybe, maybe they catch up. So I want to give him some time. Um, my next thing is this. We're seeing the Apollos tear through the league at a record pace. Nobody's stopping these dudes. Um, and, and Moose, I know where you are with this. I know kind of how you feel about the Apollos, but they seem unstoppable, bro. Like, is that for real? Like, you looked at the schedule for the, um, for the Express. You said they won't win another game, right? But looking at the Apollo schedule, they seem to have faced their biggest challenge, or the challenge is. Do you see them losing a game? Um, I mean, there's always the opportunity. There's always a, the opportunity to have just a, an off ah, week. You don't want jinx it. You don't want jinx it. I, I don't. I mean, there's <laughs> definitely that opportunity. But um, regardless of even looking through schedule, and again, we kind of it's one of our our newer running jokes. Just seeing how they're just running through everybody. Um, every 
every week that we've we've done power rankings, you know, first week it was like half and half on Apollos at, at one, and then second week, you know, two more were had Apollos at one, and then by week three, essentially across the board, everybody but one had the Apollos at one. And now um, we're making the joke that, and I believe Aquino was landed. I told you, he's our resident <laughs> funny guy. Uh, he said for, for power rankings this week, it was, you know, one, Apollos, and then a large break, and he put two through eight just draw from a hat. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's surprisingly accurate, though. Um, so do I think the Apollos are unstoppable? I mean, for at risk of sounding like too much of a homer yeah i, I kind of think so i think they're they're the most complete team in the league and i think that's what separates them they're not you know they're not um they're not the i don't think they're the best defense i do think they have a top defense um and, and honestly on paper they're not even the best offense but i think that everything clicks so well for them i mean they could definitely still you know uh, uh use some improvement in the punt the punt return game where they've lost uh, multiple fumbles now. <clears throat> but outside of that, it's essentially the defense scores almost every game. The defense is able to shut down the specific player that needs to be shut down. Um, uh, week Was it week three? They held Zach Stacy to 20 yards or something uh, and, and forced Hackenberg to, to win the game, which he didn't. And then, of course, we saw... Uh, uh, Mettenberger come in uh, this week. They played the iron, and they, you know, the, the big stop. You know, we needed to stop uh, Trent Richardson, which again they did. Not necessarily yardage department because we know that Trent Richardson has been, you know, he he runs like he's allergic to gaining three yards. <laughs> so, so, where they, but where they stopped him was he only had eight carries. And I think that was impressive. I mean, they basically shut the door on that and said, we're going to let you know up front that we're going to stop your run game. Then, of course, with the addition of Keith Price and the, the success that he was actually seeing, it opened up the passing game, which I actually think is the strength of the Apollo's defense. They might let you catch a couple, but they also have that opportunity to grab those interceptions, get those pick sixes, uh, really just – make you run a lot and that's what they want they want to run a lot they're 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 fast they're they're ready to go um and then of course the offense garrett gilbert has been is still perfect on the season as far as his interceptions zero interceptions uh was just shy of 300 yards again uh quarterback rating over 100 two more touchdowns uh, he's again just continues to uh, impress. Now that he's kind of had a couple of the, the rushing plays the last couple weeks, teams are having to pay attention to that. It's starting to open up this run game, and of course you've got Steve Spurrier calling the plays. And um, as we were just kind of talking uh, about Singletary, the inverse is true with Spurrier. I mean, this man, this man is a leader. 100% and he communicates and he uh, is able to hit a personal connection on the offense and the defense and the special teams. Uh, and speaking of special teams, that's another thing. Uh, Elliot Fry is, is perfect on the season as well. I mean, it's everything for them is clicking. And I think that that's really the only difference. Everybody else has something. The iron have their defense, the, uh, the Express have got the the, the Zach Stacy, the 
Uh, Stallions have had their multitude of running backs that are efficient. <laughs> you know, the hot shots have had Wolford in the high, you know, that high up of offense. Everybody's got something except the Apollos. They kind of have, they, they have that complete package. I don't see them losing um, any games coming up. I think they can walk into this playoffs undefeated. They might be able to finish this season undefeated. Um, I am excited for, I believe, Week 10. Uh, we have the rematch with the Iron. That's the game I'm most excited about, especially since we caught, saw Keith Price come in. Um, curious to see if he continues to be the starter and he continues to improve. I do think that that game will be better, but uh, that will be in, in Orlando. Yo. So, um, they, you know, the Iron won't have that home field advantage like they did this go around. Hey, real quick, what is it like in that press room with Barry at the mic? It is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, he comes in and before he's even at the podium, he's typically talking about something. <laughs> uh, he's coming in and he just starts just right away. He's starting to talk about uh, stuff that happened in the game stuff. And it's, it's only stuff that he didn't really like. Um, but he, again, going back to the leadership part, one thing that he really hit on while we were about uh, week three with the express is there were three uh, like taunting penalties or unsportsmanlike for after, after curricular activities, you know, um, and one thing that Spurrier said, and just dead serious, and everybody in the room knew he meant it, he said, those guys do it again, they won't be Apollos. And uh, he does carry a level of of respect, not necessarily fear, but they know if I don't straighten up, this man will cut me. <laughs> and um, he's just, and, But he says stuff in just such a way that it's just relatively comical. Um, but at the same time, you're you're, you're sitting there don't, knowing that you're like in the presence of of greatness. You know, much like you talked with Singletary, um, it, it's very much that same feeling when Spurrier starts talking, especially when you ask him a question and he's like looking right at you while he's answering. It's uh, it's it's surreal sometimes. Man, I feel that. Um, hey, we we've talked about this, and I know you guys already have your power rankings. And and listen, if you want. Um, the power rankings from Ambush Sports, you can just go um, to their website um, and you can go ahead and get as much of their uh, information as they put out. They put out so much um, great information, great articles. They have great writers. I mean, you're hearing um, some of them now. And so um, you definitely want to go there and check out their articles and hear their power rankings. I want to get like a, a bit of a sneak peek into kind of how they feel about the number two team right now. Oh, actually, you know what? I want to wait for that one. I want to wait. You know, I'm just tease that one and tell them to go check out the articles. I need to know this, though, because we have to talk about it in a few minutes we have remaining. There has been rumors of names possibly joining the AAF, right? And maybe we should even start it with this. I'm not sure. But <laughs> there's been rumors of people like Johnny and Tebow, maybe. Caps, no. But maybe Johnny could possibly be coming to the AAF. Do you guys believe that? Um, and if he does come, where is he going? And will he have any type of real impact? I will let you go ahead on this one first, Landon. Okay. <laughs> I will uh, think about it. This is obviously a very lightning rod kind of question. Um, and, and what I'll say with this is, is that, yes, I, I do believe that eventually um, some big star uh, players from college past or NFL bust past may eventually join the AAF. 
whether that's Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, or you know Colin Kaepernick or whoever it may be, will remain to be seen. Um, but I will say this, and it, it's a personal opinion. Um, it's not anything to reflect towards the AAF or anything. But I personally don't want Johnny Manziel having anything to do with the AAF. I don't think that that is a good investment. I just he has so many character issues, and I believe if we're going to have a face of the AAF, let it be somebody that doesn't like the character issues that he has. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it if we can get some star power in the AAF. If we can get a Colin Kaepernick, if we can get a Tim Tebow. I'm 100% on board with it. I need a hot take the button. Only, I need a hot take button. You giving out hot the takes. Only, the uh, the only thing that I would say is is that Tim Tebow cannot be allocated to the Apollos because they don't need any more help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, the funny part is if he did go to the Apollos, I only see him running special teams. Gilbert is really good. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't see Tebow coming in and taking his job at all. Do Certainly you? not. Uh, but uh, you know, Gilbert probably won't be there next year. So. Yeah. Wow, that's a hot take too. Where do you think Gilbert's going? You think he's going to the NFL? Uh, yeah, it seems like the Carolina Panthers could use him again. I mean, it seems like it'd be a pretty good fit for him. I mean, Cam's dealing with some injuries. Um, they, so, uh, yeah, that like is true. Good fit to me. Yeah, that is true. It does seem like a really good fit there. Uh, Moose, you shot away from that one, bro. Like. What's up? What was that about? Well, I just wanted to see. Um, I kind of wanted to look at, up a couple things first. Uh, just oh, okay, before okay. I went into it. And one of the things, um, I don't think you're going to see uh, Tebow. I, I think we, you can almost take that one off the table. I know that uh, he's really been pursued, but, you know, he's, he's doing well in his baseball career. And, you know, and I think he's going to stay there. Um, he's, he's been, I mean, quite a few years removed from football. Uh, as a, as a sport, he spent all his time learning baseball. I just don't see him coming back. Uh, so I don't think you'll see a, a Tim Tebow. Though I think that would be phenomenal for the league because you do have a guy with upstanding character, a guy that is a a local, not even a, a national f- college football, uh, you know, superstar guy. Uh, you know, so I, I think it would be great, but I don't think you're going to see it. Kaepernick, I'm not 100 percent sure on. I would probably lean no. Um, but I think it would just become more, just more of a of a, of a money issue is really what I think it would be. Um, but uh, I will echo almost exactly what Landon said about Johnny Menzel. I think there is no place nor room for Johnny Manziel at the AAF. And I've heard the argument. And this is what I was trying to look up really quick. Uh, I've heard the argument that he will bring new eyes and new, you know, new people to the AAF. And I don't think that's ent- entirely true. I just looked up the stats for the, the, the Canadian Football League that he was on. Um, and there was a small increase, a small increase in viewership for that team, but attendance dropped 13.5%. Yeah, but that was Canada. It, it was Canada. And this hill is America. I think you're going to see a lot of that same attitude because you're going to see a guy that he's, he's you either you, you like him or you absolutely hate him. There's not a whole lot of like super Johnny Manziel people like anymore. 
because, you know, he's kind of burned enough bridges and not a lot of people are going to stand behind him anymore. Because every time they're like, oh, no, he's a changed guy, you know, he gets kicked out of another league, like permanently, like, go away. You got, I mean, if you get kicked out of, like, the nicest country in the world, you know, you, you got to assume. <laughs> that oh, that's true. Because that is Canada, <laughs> and they are very exactly. nice. You know, when, when they're like, we've had enough, so just <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but I will say this. Do I think it's impossible for Johnny Manziel to come? Absolutely not. I think that there's definitely a gateway, especially since, if I was looking it up correctly, he would be allocated to the San Antonio Commanders, who, depending on who you talk to, could definitely use a quarterback. I, we've I, talked about it in the past um, with with Woodside. You know the the whole swapping quarterbacks in the middle of play. Um, I could definitely see it happening. I just don't. Honestly, I don't think it's a good idea. I think take the guys here that aren't on their 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th chance because of their own action. You know, these are guys that, that want to play football and just usually from circumstances not of their own making are, are in the AAF and not the NFL. Johnny Manziel has had that opportunity a couple of times and has had multiple opportunities in multiple leagues and ends up getting asked to leave, <laughs> we'll put it, a couple times. And I just don't think that's a good look for a brand-new company that's trying to uh, build a name and a face for itself, let a Garrett Gilbert be the face of the AAF. Let uh, uh, some of these other guys um, that are just doing doing well right now, let, let Aaron Murray or, or uh, uh, Zach Stacey be, be the, the thing. The people that we're talking about, Trent Richardson, is, is, a, is a good story to talk about, you know? So I'd like to see those things. Um, I don't think Johnny Menzel should come in. I think they should avoid it, but I do think that the door is definitely open, and I do think that they're playing with that idea. Man, I know it wouldn't make any sense because I feel like Mettenberg is a good quarterback, but I want to see, just for hilarity's sake, I want to see um, Johnny Manziel go to the Memphis Express so I can hear, I want to hear Mike Singletary say it one more time, can't win with him, can't play with him, <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> If you wanted to get Mike Singletary out because you can't fire him, that's what you should do. <laughs> just say, hey, Mike, we got you a new quarterback, and just put the paper on his desk. You don't even have to be a real contract. Just set it down and say, here's your new quarterback. Yo. He'll probably just take off his glasses, take off that jacket that he never takes off, even if it's 100 degrees, and walk right off the field. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Yo, yo, thank y'all so much for joining us. Um, hey, we do this at the end of every one of our episodes. So, Moose, go ahead and tell them how they can get to the website and they can find the great article that you guys put out at Ambush Sports. Yeah, um, you just go to ambushsportsnetwork.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of phenomenal articles from our writers like Landon that cover uh, all the teams. We've got a couple of actual league news articles coming up, uh, power rankings and our predictions all the writers' predictions, as well as where they score right now, are also on that same article. We dropped it on Fridays. But you can go to ambushsportsnetwork.com, go to Twitter, at Ambush Sports, and every article we post goes through there. Feel free to like, retweet, share. You know, we're on all the social medias, Ambush Sports. Uh, and then myself, I'm at Bearded Moose, but that's with two zeros and not two O's, so it's Bearded M00SE. 
Awesome. And look, just this week, right? We I'll just I just want to tease this. Um we're going to we're going to do a lightning um predictions really quick. No explanations though cuz I want them to go to the website this week, right? We normally do explanations but not this week. I want them to go to the website and read the articles for the the reasons why. You guys are p- picking how you're picking, but can we do a really quick lightning round predictions? Yeah, for sure. All right, awesome. Yes, so here we go, week six, Memphis versus Salt Lake. Um, who you got? Moose, who you got? Uh, Memphis versus Salt Lake, I'm going Stallions. Okay, Landon, who you got? Stallions. Okay, um, I'm going with the Memphis Express. I'm hoping that they turn it around. Um, I mean, I'm okay with being wrong. Now, this was the game that I was waiting for. Two weeks ago, this was going to be the hottest game on earth. Um this time, I don't know. I'm really unsure. But it's the Arizona Hot Shots versus the Apollos. Um, that game's happening Saturday. It'll be on NFL Network at 8 p.m. Um, where are you going with this one, um, um, Landon? I'm going Apollos. Moose. Apollos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the Hot Shots just to play devil's advocate here. Um, I really don't see the Apollos losing. But I feel like if they're going to drop one, right, this is it. And so I'm going to go with my hot shots to, to see what they can do in this case. What? <laughs> All right. Um, next one, uh, Legends versus San Diego. Um, what you got, Moose? Uh, I'm sorry, San Antonio, not San Diego. San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah. I am going to lean um, I'm gonna stay on the Legends train, man. They burned me twice, so hopefully they can get me two more. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Where are you going with this one, Landon? And finally, we can differ because I'm going Commanders. Mmm. Okay. Um, I'm going with the Legends and praying that they give me credentials one more time. So <laughs> I'm going with the Legends on this one. All right. Let's go with um the Iron versus um San Diego. Right, this should be a really good game as well. That's happening Sunday, eight PM on NFL Network as well. Um, talk to us, Landon. What you got? Okay, so I'm gonna flip a coin. Okay. And I flipped it, and I'm going iron. Okay. <laughs> All right, where you going, Moose? I think I'm gonna go iron as well, but that might change later on in the week. But I'm going iron for for right now, at least. Okay, and finally, I think we all agree, right? This time, I'm going with the iron as well. Um, I believe that the iron can take this one. So let's see how it all breaks down. Even though the game is in San, Di- San Diego, though. So mm-hmm. we're all going with the away team here. It's a bold move, but I mean, that's what we do here. Yo, you've been listening to Aftermath. If you enjoyed what you're hearing right now, um, go ahead and go to uh, iTunes or go to Apple Podcasts. Find MTMV Sports. Give us that five-star rating, right? Tell us how much you enjoy the show. Um, if you want to, I'm telling you, you can find us on um, you can find us almost everywhere, right? But definitely on Twitter and Instagram, just at MTMV Sports. You can find us there. You can also find um, the Moose at Bearded Moose, um, but two zeros, right, Moose? Yes, sir. Two zeros yeah, zero, in that zero. Moose, and you can find him there. You can also find Landon on um, on Twitter as well. That's where I've been there, just kind of retweeting Landon, all the awesome stuff he says on Twitter. Uh, Landon, go ahead and tell him your Twitter. Yeah, I'm at, at Landon is legend. And uh, I'm tweeting content all the time. Awesome, man. So, look, thank y'all so much for joining us today. Y'all have a great day. We're out. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big. I feel like Pac. 
I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Yo, what's up? This is Avila, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Yeah. Hey, we're super happy to be talking to expert NBA analyst Chris Broussard, founder of the King Movement. Chris, what is the King Movement, and what are some major events coming up soon? King Movement, King is an acronym that stands for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. It essentially is a Christian men's movement, a national Christian men's movement. I want to invite all the men out to the King Summit, the fifth annual King National Summit. The theme this year is return to royalty because we as men need to return to being the royal priesthood that God has called us to be. And so I want to invite all men out there uh, to come check it out, young men, older men. It's going to be a Friendship Baptist Church. We're going to have great, inspiring praise and worship. We're going to have enlightening workshops and breakout sessions. We're going to have uh, great prayer, great celebrity speakers and guests. Uh, and we're also going to have a three-on-three basketball tournament that anyone can play in. Please go register at kingmovement.com. That's kingmovement.com as soon as possible it is march 28th through the 31st 28th through the 31st hey thank you chris that is in atlanta georgia man look if it's anything like the huddle you will not want to miss this event go register right now right now at kingmovement.com